What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. What's today? Friday, uh, July 17th. 2020 you guys listening to episode 455 i feel so special is that how long it took you to ask that's how long i took you to get you on the show there have Uh, been 450 fucking comics before me no 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 i actually for like the first 300 and something or i've only had like probably 40 comics okay okay so i was like 40th pick Okay, yeah, not bad, <laughs> not bad. Uh, my guest today is somebody I'm really excited about. Um, we've spoken basically through mutual friends and texts and everything, and uh, she's on the show. Uh, in my opinion, one of the fucking funniest, smartest comics. Uh, she's an amazing writer, um, and I'm just gonna keep saying shit to make her uncomfortable and squeal. <laughs> All I'm thinking about is how you're clapping in the audio. All of, that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, I don't know why I'm hitting my <laughs> hands. Um, the one and only Whitney Cummings is here on the Versi Effect. Thank you so much for being here. Dude, thanks for having me. My fucking pleasure. Um, all right, let's get into this. You did something which I found so hilarious, and it was so funny, and it was the greatest. I don't want to take it from you because I feel like it would be stealing. You and, can have and, it. And as comics, but the greatest thing was when you were doing a ton of podcasts and I was like, hey, I'd love to get you on the show. And you go, yeah, I'm taking a beat, but (laughs) thanks. And I'm going, that is the greatest no or delay ever. Like that is the fucking most brilliant. Cause you know what's so great about it? You can't fuck with that. (laughs) Well, here's the, yeah. Okay. So for those of you that doesn't read our text messages, you reached out to me. I'm a fan of yours. You were like, hey, do you want to do my podcast? My answer was yes, but I was like at capacity. And I think I, I don't like doing podcasts when I'm like spread too thin or have nothing new to say or right. feel like I'm doing a bad impression of myself. It was also like during like peak COVID where everyone, like I didn't know how to be funny. And I was like, you know what? Let me just take a beat. Let's do it like in a month when I'm like, fucking not completely useless and 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 that is so smart too because so many of these like like yesterday i did the bonfire with soda and big j and then all of a sudden it was barstool and then it was and then i did bill burt and i'm going like I, I, I'm running out of shit here to like, it's like, I can only tell, yes, I had COVID. So everybody's asking me about that. You know me yeah. and my family had it. So it's like, okay, I told that story. You know what I mean? But then, yeah, and then it's like, people are going to watch you on other pot. I think we were so, comedians are so, we're so arrogant and so insecure at the same fucking time. We're so arrogant to believe that everyone's going to tune in to listen to us fucking just talk with no material. But then we get insecure and we're like, well, they probably didn't listen to me on this other thing. So I guess I'll just tell this story again. You know, it's like, which is it? Are you fucking insecure narcissist? Like, it's got to be one or the other. So I just have to let some shit happen to me. So I actually have some new shit to say. That is so fucking funny. And how funny is it? I really find it funny. We were talking about this yesterday with these comedians. Doesn't matter like what level comedian somebody's at, whether they're starting yeah. out or they're really ready to pop or they're, they're, you know, they're up where they need to be or where they want it to be. The insecurity level oh. of comedians, it's almost hilarious that you're like watching somebody that is like so talented. Like I've, I was at the worst depression and insecurity of my life. 
like, and then a year later, I shot my special and it did great. And people are like, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's coming. And I mean, I went through my own mental shit. So that's why. Of I mean, I, I, and I, it I, is, I, yeah. What you're saying is fascinating because in, the fact that an co insecure comedian is such an interesting oxymoron for me because we are so driven by insecurity, yet we're the same people that go on stage and say, we're going to talk for an hour. And if any of you try to interrupt, security will remove you. That's how interesting I am. Oh, that is so and great. Then, and then we go off stage, we're like, oh, are we good? Oh, are we good? It's like, which is it? Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like we're the dog in the park who growls and scares the shit out of everybody. <laughs> and then as soon as we get back, we're just like licking and hoping for love. Oh. Or I'm in a 12 step program. And uh, something we say a lot is uh, for like insecure narcissists, it's I'm a piece of shit in the center of the universe. Yeah. Which is so what we are. We're like, I'm going to get on stage in front of you because I'm better than you. And I'm going to tell you how much of a piece of shit I am. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're sober. I'm not sober. I'm in something called Al-Anon, which is if you grew up in an alcoholic home. Uh. So, and you tend to recreate your childhood circumstances by being um, addicted to things like perfectionism and people pleasing. And, you know, actually it's like a control addiction and a perfectionism and sort of more like workaholism for me. Um, but I don't, drinking's really never been my thing. I'm sure, I'm sure that's coming. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm careening towards that program, right. uh, but not there yet. It's more about sort of like, uh, uh, dating alcoholics and, and being addicted to drama and adrenaline and shit like that. So you've had your share of alcoholics as far as dating. I did. I did. But I haven't dated any comedians, which you'd think those would be concentric circles. Um, right. <laughs> right. No, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Like, it makes me wonder, like, are you just geared or interested? No, but you would never know that they drank. So that's kind of like, you know, how many in a row? Like, after the fourth, you must have been like, all right, dude, I suck at picking. <laughs> My picker is fucking broken. Well, it's two things. It's like, you can't really, you know how, like, in your 20s, there's, like, subconscious, like, we call it, like, butterflies or passion or soulmates or whatever, but it's really just we're vibrating people that recreate the neurological cocktail that we were being sort of pounded with as children, whether it's, you know, authority figures or fear or stress or chaos or walking on eggshells or passive aggressive behavior or, you know, can you pass the fucking salt, Dan? Where you're like, oh, I, I feel like these people are fighting, but they're being really nice to each other. Like, thank you so much. And you're like, wait, that's oh, whatever you're recreating. So I would just vibrate uh, pe broken people that I had to rescue or martyr myself on because it gave me some kind of purpose. I was like a bad talent manager. And I would just sort of like find people that I just had to, uh, in order, you know, a lot of Al-Anons, we get our self-esteem from how sort of important we are to other people or how productive we are or yeah. how necessary we are to others. Mm -hmm. That's how we, um, and that's also how we avoid abandonment by I'm going to do so many nice things for you that you can never leave me because you owe me too much. Right, so right. That's how I feel safe. I'm going to take care of you so you can't live without me. So where are you going to uh -huh. fucking go? I dare you to leave. I have your insulin in my fridge. Where are you going to go? So it's, oh, like, shit. it's a way that we also avoid abandonment, but it's also a way that we avoid looking at ourselves. Like, you know, I think that if you're an unrecovered Al-Anon, you can never 
fill like your full potential as a comedian because you're not looking at yourself. You're, you're, I'm going to date someone who's so fucked up that comparatively I seem together. Uh, and is that, you think that that's a subconscious thing or are you purposely doing it? Maybe. I think it's also, that's what I learned love was just cleaning up a mess and fighting and fixing someone and, you know, like that's just what I learned a relationship was. So it was, I think first it was my blueprint and then it was like, oh, well, this is convenient compared to all you. Like I'm the best. I'm to, even though I was a total fucking wreck, but compared to you, you know, pieces of trash, I'm doing pretty well. It's a way to get like a little piece of like comparative self-esteem when you're comparing, when you're comparing yourself to, you know. Yeah. You're like, you're such a fucking disaster that like, I'm fine. Like I'm like, I got my shit together. I don't have any work to do. You know, meanwhile, I have $7 in my bank account. I'm like cheating, I, you know, like I'm a mess, you know? <laughs> so uh, like don't have any credit, like I'm borrowing ex-boyfriend's cars, like, you know, so, but it's like, I'm so together. And it's also like al like, you know, it's the same way that alcoholism is a disease of perception. It's the disease that tells you you don't have a disease. It's, it's, it's a superiority thing as well. It's like, you know, it's the straight A student and we're the ones that, when you, we get out of relationships, we say, I just loved him too much. He couldn't handle it. Right, yeah. Meanwhile, we were micromanaging, mothering and martyring and trying to fix them and change them. You know, it's like- well, Yeah, um, yeah, that's, but that's amazing that you recognize that. And that's one thing that I, what, what interested me in talking to you was um, what Burr, who's my best friend and mentor. You know, Bill is my son's godfather. He's family to me. And no, I know. I it's not it's not a Bill uh whatever Monday morning, Thursday afternoon, whatever his podcast is called now. Uh I listen to all of them and it's it's I miss it when you don't call during <laughs> his recording. Yeah. I'm always like waiting for you to call it and be like, ah, it's fucking Bearsy. But hold yeah. on, let me call. It. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> He called once during mine and went on a sports rant and I didn't even record it because it was just like, I was like, nobody wants to hear that. But um, I love your friendship. Like, I just love it. Oh, he's, he's, yeah, I met him in 05 and then he, he, he was great. He saw something in me and it's been an amazing thing, but, um, and he's, he's a great, he's a great dude. But when you were on the podcast, I, what I noticed about you and that's when I was like, oh man. And Bill actually busted my balls about it. He was fucking shitting on me for it because I was like hey man you know I was like uh Whitney's like really like smart like you could tell like the way she listens and he was like yeah dick she's like Ivy League smart you fucking dope like yeah and I'm just like and I'm like all right but like I can tell but it was the way you were listening and I always I I've done a lot of podcasts and I can't stand when I do a podcast with somebody and they're just doing that, in, like we were talking about before, Whitney, that insecure comedy thing where they're waiting for their time to say a joke or they're just, and it's like, let the fucking show come to you. There's no pressure here. And they're just waiting to be funny. And I'm like, did you just hear that story? Like, did you just hear, like, I was on a podcast. I'm not going to mention names. I think you know. And a uh, friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> friend of mine. And I had did, so I was, um. I played Pete Davidson's father, who died in in um in in the in the show in the movie. Now Judd Judd changed the script at the beginning of Pete in the car, and that's why the scene wasn't going to work. It was too heavy, actually. The scene was actually too heavy. They wouldn't even let Pete on set when I shot it, and wow, and it went and it went phenomenal and stuff. But I 
did this really funny thing where I sent this emoji with the middle finger to the makeup woman and I was supposed to give the thumbs up and I didn't even get on set yet and I'm, and I'm panicking because it's the first big move. Anyway, I tell the whole story and I'm just butchering it now. Wait, you flicked her off instead? So what happened was I had to have this mustache and they kept fucking, they kept like texting me, Whitney, every day, can we see the mustache? And I'm going like, I was like, that was 12 hours ago. Like the mustache is fine. Like my mother's Greek, my father's Sicilian, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I could literally shave this. My mother is a hundred percent Greek. My father is Sicilian. The mustache is gonna be there. Like the, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. Like the mustache isn't gone. Uh, oh, we really like to see. We really like to see. And she had this accent. She was super sweet. So I'm on the West Side Highway going to Gotham to do a spot, and they kept. She's like, I really don't mean to bother you. And I stopped at a light, and I meant to give the thumbs up, and I gave a big middle finger. Oh shit. And I didn't get to the, I didn't get to, oh, to the set yet. Shit. Nobody had knew me. Like Judd had just saw the audition thing and was like, that's who we're like. And I'm going like, this is my first, like, this is universal. This isn't fucking a funnier no. die sketch. No. And, and I'm, and I'm going, so, no. oh my God, we were crying. I showed Sal Vacano friend, you know, Sal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sal was crying. I go, oh no, wait, I didn't mean, no, what I meant to do, like, I just, I like, meant to send the eggplant. Yeah, yeah. So I just kept going. Anyway, I'm telling that story on somebody's podcast and I'm literally watching them think about what they're going to say. Yeah. And the story, which I know is, and I'm just going like, so I love, and I think even in life, like even in life, and one thing I learned about being a married dude, and it took me a long time, especially as a comedian, because I'm kind of a, I'm, even though like I have like, I'm kind of a lone wolf in a way where like I have my clique of friends, but I'm very like, my parents had a brutal divorce when I was five and my brother was 10. Brutal. Brutal to the point where it's like textbook, what not to do. Yeah. And, 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 but listen, they made, they were young. They made, they yeah. both, but my, listen, my mom's amazing. You know, that both of my parents loved me. Like I, I wasn't like abused that way. It was just a, a, something that you go through. We're like and, the first generation that has any tools. Like I have so no. much love for that generation and forgiveness. Cause like they had no tools, you know? Yeah, no. And it, and it is like, and I've, I've like, I've made it up in my mind that like, I'm going to forgive whatever happened and just move on because things happen. And yeah. it was tough, but um, so since then, nobody has really told me like what to do or like, mm -hmm. not, not what to do, but I don't like being told what to do. So when somebody talks down at me, I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, my fucking father didn't talk to me like that. So you're definitely not going to talk to me. Like, but, but I had that too much. And, and, and also my wife would say there's, and Burr would tell you this too. <laughs> I have a defiance in me yeah. that I like, and that's not good. Like in a way where it's like, if you hurt me at like from a scale of one to 10, if you hurt me at a three. I want to crush you at a 27. Mm -hmm. Which, and it's not something, so what I've learned though is like getting through that. Which, if I may, I don't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. I'm always big on going like, I feel like a thousand years ago that would have served you very well. Like these are instincts that are why our species proliferated so well. Like you, you just, you evolved too well. <laughs> You're too, your, your genetics are just too good or your epigenetics. Like a lot of the things that today are pathologized or are character defects, like we evolved to behave like that. Like you would do great in a tribe in the Sahara desert. Like you'd be the last man fucking standing. The rest of us would be dead. You know? <laughs> well, if you think I'm not using that against my wife the next time we're <laughs> Yes. Uh, Anytime I'll be like, wait a minute, I would fucking run the tribe. 
this is like it's only in the last like 80 years that ha anger is like a bad thing for yeah. our survival it's just these are well no but that's the funny thing i'm not i'm not angry i'm actually and it drives my wife wild Mm -hmm. is I'm so easygoing. So yeah. I don't get, I don't get angry And like me and my wife been together a long time and all the time. I probably exploded three times. Mm -hmm. I don't, and it takes a lot, yeah. but I'm the type, like, it's like, I don't like being, I don't know what it is, but I, I've learned that like listening to people is so much more powerful when you listen to somebody and you really, cause you could understand them. And I feel like if people really listen to somebody that is opposite of them, Mm -hmm. uh, even even politically or socially or or how they deal with relationships if you listen to that person and try to put yourself in their shoes even for a second even if you differ so much from them i feel like you you can really learn and 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 be better and evolve as a person and i think when we do that you know like i think you know what's crazy about comedians whitney is we don't realize but we're wit we're we're listening when mm -hmm. we're well, and, and you do something on stage that I love because I do it and I'm a stage stalker when I walk. I mean, yeah. I, I, cause, cause that's the performance. Like I grew up for me, uh, Eddie, for me, Eddie Murphy, yeah. number one, all yeah. time yeah. for yeah. me, yeah. it's just, just watching him. And I, I was 10, my dad took me to see raw and it just blew me away. Whoa. But, but I feel like we're listening, even though we're talking and we're pacing and we're telling a story our instincts and i think what makes a really good comedian is we're listening mm -hmm. to even the silence or we're listening to the energy we know and our instincts is what will make us go oh i see them listening i feel them so i'm gonna hit the beat i'm gonna hit the beat like when i was at um i was at the garden with burr and i felt it like Whoa. i knew it was dead silent when i was telling the story and then i was killing it with when i had yeah. to do it but i i read that i can do it so, so when, when you're on stage and, and I notice cause you tell stories and you're really like, it seems like from the bits that I've seen you do, you're really in tune with the, the, the craziness of you, right? <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like you're in tune with, if you did something like you did one joke, where you were like, you reminded me of it when you were like, pass the fucking salt, Dan, which is yeah. hilarious because whatever, yeah. yeah yeah but you understand that your mood was doing that it's 14 and, hours and i never know why it does that does your webcam do that we've been rolling for 14 hours no it just yeah like it'll just say like it's flown by it just <laughs> no <laughs> like, what a great podcast but have you just been watching porn for 14 hours Is that what it, oh every time i turn this on it just says a random hour um huh. but like but yeah, no, I think listening and, and as comics, we do it without even knowing it, but like listening in a relationship, listening all the time. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm going to name this episode. This, the name of this podcast is going to be listening because it's a very, and you do it incredibly. You do it. I told you like it's, it's the way you watch and the way you actually take it. But what people don't understand is that's what allows the good talking conversation because it's like now you've given me ammunition to not only hear what you're saying, but process it and come back where other, where other comics are like, Oh, that was funny. Now I gotta be funny. That's where I think it's brutal. It's so fucking powerful. It was like, you know, I've already learned so much from you, you know, just in texting with you as we're getting to know each other. You said, you said something about this earlier and I was like, God, like it's such a fucking, and this is what good listeners and good observers, hence good comedians do is they make observations, the things that are right in front of us that we see all the time and just haven't quite 
uh, noticed because it's too obvious or something we sometimes do, these insights. But yeah, dude, I, for me on stage now, it's more important than ever to listen because there are different kinds of laughs now with what's going on with, and I'm not the like PC culture, like complainer person, but you'd never want to get a clap laugh. You know, there's, there's, there's some, some comedy shows now are turning into like rallies where it's like anyone else, you know, gonna be our single by choice. And it's like, woo! it's like, that's not a joke. That's not, that's a, we're a warm up. You're a mascot for a football team. That's not comedy. So I think sometimes, you know, I don't know if it's cause I'm a girl or something, but sometimes when you get like a woo, I have to be like, wait, that wasn't a laugh. That was a woo. I need that slap. You're but looking. That, yeah, but that's that's because you're a good comic, and that's your instinct. Because your instinct is like your instinct is like no, that's anybody's getting that. I want the unique laugh of my perspective that made people think and then go, that was great. That's the difference because yeah, anybody could be like, you know, give it up for the, you know. <laughs> it's cla it's clapter. It's like there's a new yeah. epidemic in comedy of clapter um, and of, you know, if you say something that's like uh, incendiary or triumphant or like, fuck it, I'm going to say the word retarded. And everyone's like, woo. It's like, okay, that wasn't a laugh. Like if you want to do say that word in a joke and whatever, earn it, you know? So I can't believe you just said that. I can't. Why? <laughs> why? Because uh, I'm going to tell you when we're not recording something that's actually crazy that you said that. It's actually <laughs> wild. Um, because oh, no. I, I completely, no, I completely a thousand percent agree, but I'm actually, yeah. So anyway, there's also a, I want to um, get you a book if you don't already have it of, uh, people interested in this. Um, there's a, a, a famous security guy. He's like a celebrity security guy in LA. His name is Gavin DeBecker. And he wrote a book called the gift of fear. And it's about how to reconnect with your gut in terms of when you have a feeling about something like you know i think that especially people that examine themselves like you who go like oh you know sometimes i have issues with authority or you know if you do like i think sometimes we over pathologize ourselves and it's almost like self-help and we've over therapized to the point where we don't trust our instincts anymore because we're the first to say well i'm just being sensitive and i'm just being angry and that's that thing i do whereas sometimes you know people are dangerous or sometimes you're in a situation where you're actually not the problem <laughs> even though we're always the ones looking at ourselves to get our side of the street clean like we're so overly accountable in this you know book uh, it's about how to reconnect and trust your gut and listen frankly and yeah. and taking in nonverbal communication is is what 70 percent of communication or something talking isn't even you know um the most important part. And I remember when I was a kid, my favorite shows were the shows that made me laugh when there was the sound was off, like Three's Company. And, you know, I remember even Cheers, I would laugh. Even I just, I could feel what was going on non-verbally. Like words are just getting in the way sometimes yeah. of what we're trying to say, if that makes any sense. But The Gift of Fear, it's great. It's a, it's a great book about how our bodies can listen. And, you know, like sometimes when That's you have a you have a weird feeling about someone and you like don't know why. You're like, I can't tell you why. I just have a weird feeling about that fucking guy and I don't know why. And like, um, and I don't want to get this uh, statistic wrong, but there's something like most women that are attacked by men, uh, they always say, I knew something was off about that guy. I just wow. knew it. 
they always say that and they're like, but he offered to carry my groceries. He offered to open the door. So I just assumed I was being dramatic. Or I just assumed I was being yeah. uh, weird or something, you know? Yeah. Wow. Well, I got to tell you a story now because that's, that's really, that's the, the instinct and the, and the intuition really is, is wild. And, intuition. And, uh, that's right. So I, I might've, this is crazy actually. So I might've told the story on another podcast before, but I got to tell you. And if I did, whatever, fuck these people. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're getting free. If some, they, they love it. They're your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love you know, yeah, yell out the punchlines. Tell it along with us. I love how I just told everyone listening to go fuck themselves. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was younger. I was in school. I think I was in high school at the time. And uh, I smoked, <clears throat> excuse me, I smoked cigarettes. And uh, I was, I told my mom, it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I told my mom, I said, I'm just going to go out on the, on the front step and I'm going to smoke a cigarette and come in. And I, I was listening to my, my CD man at the time, oh, right? Disc man. Yeah. Disc man. Yeah. And I, I put it down and I'm sitting there and it's completely dark and it's a suburbs. It's completely dark. And um, there was just, it was just dark trees and everything. And I'm sitting there and this overwhelming, this is going to fuck you up, by the way. Uh, this overwhelming feeling of un unsafe thing happened. I'm just like, what? Like, you know, I'm going like, what, what was that? And, and I, I just forgot it. And then I'm sitting there and this urge to just pick up, pick up and go. And I'm going, what are you doing? And I'm looking around and it's black. And I'm looking at this bush where I'm getting this feeling from and there's nothing there. It's just dark. This is hundred percent true. And, um, and all of a sudden, I'm like, stop it. And I, in my mind, I'm like, you're being a fucking, what are yeah, you? Yeah, pussy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you fucking pussy. What yeah, you, well, what are you five, scared? Like, you're yeah. five feet away from your door. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. all of a sudden, I just, I'm fine. And five minutes go by. And my instincts and body said, get out now. And I went to reach for the, the music and the, and the cigarette. And all of a sudden, my mom pops the front door open. And she goes, I told you not to have anybody over. And I go, what do you mean? I don't have anybody over. She goes, oh, yeah, so your friend right there in the white hat that just ran on the side of the house. I just got, it just went up my head right now. She goes, oh, so your, your friend in the white hat that just ran by in the back of the house, that's not your friend. I, Whitney, I, right now my whole body, as I said that, my whole body. I'm like going to cry, yeah. My whole body. And I looked at my mother and I go, what? And I ran inside and I told her. And they're doing a sign of the cross. I mean, they're just like. And, and, uh, yeah. And, and I swear to God, I swear to God, my intuition, I felt it. Yep. I felt it. And, and my mom said somebody in a white hat just ran by. And the weirdest thing was the house. They said something about the house next door mm -hmm. definitely was like haunted and people would see it. And the mother-in-law felt came from Ireland and felt somebody Ooh. sitting in her lap, but I don't, but my mom said it was like a friend with a white hat, but I just felt it. Um, you know, Bill Burr said, he goes, the two best at reading people I've ever seen is Bobby Kelly and you. The thing that makes <laughs> me mad is I know Bobby Kelly's better, which drives me nuts because he's like, but I have that thing where like, I can tell we were on it when we were on the tour, me, uh, it was Bartnick, me, Burr, a bunch of us were on a tour bus and the driver, I go, fuck that guy. I go, fuck that guy. The driver is a selfish yeah. And they were like, they go, Jesus, Burr, we need to get like a quarter of the tank. And then when it was done, Burr called me into it and he goes, that guy's the biggest selfish piece of shit. Do you know yeah. he did this? And it's like, yeah, I know. I fucking know. Because I just, it's what it is. You can know. You can see it. 
there's something of it's like, I think we just, we don't give ourselves enough. We're so cerebral. That's so valued in our culture and emotion is so not valued. You know, emotion is looked down upon, especially, I don't mean to get in this conversation. Like uh, I, I'm not like toxic masculinity is a problem. It's more like, I think that that to be in touch with your emotions and your feelings as a woman or a man is so pathologized. Like you're not allowed to say, I have a weird feeling about that guy. It's like, you're either a pussy, you're a bitch, or you're dr- right. a dramatic psycho, you know? And it's so weird that we don't value our sort of clairvoyant sort of uh, intuitions. I, I agree. And I have a little, you know, I have a little girl and if she, I want her to have that as a woman, you know, it's like, I want her to, to be able to go, there's something wrong without people going like- And by the way, I don't have to tell you why. That's enough information for you. I'm uncomfortable. My spidey sense is I'm uncomfortable. I want to get out of here. I don't owe you a statistic or a proof. I just want to get out of here. 100%. It's like, if you feel that, what you don't owe an explanation at all. you feel weird. I, and and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, there are times and you know, that, you know, and look, all my best friends are male comedians, you know, that I love and I, I, I see as family. Like, it's very hard to creep me out. It's very hard to weird me out. Like, I'm actually kind of numb on a lot of levels. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I told a joke in my last special about how, like, we used to play this game where um, a guy, guys would run by and put their hand between my butt and say, like, I'm swiping a credit card. Like, I don't, I'm, sort of the older generation where I'm sort of like, oh, what's the big deal? I saw his dick, who cares? Like, I'm like sort of, you know, (laughs) desensitized to a lot of that. I don't feel victimized by it. But there are times people are like, well, did so-and-so show you their dick? And so, and I'm like, no, but this one person just like cornered me weird. And I I can't explain why it felt uh, malicious, but that to me was so much worse than- And I can't, but it doesn't sound as bad, but my gut, I got that, that, you know, when your heart just takes a shit in your chest, it's like, you know, it takes a shit in your stomach and you're just like, I never heard that one before, but that's, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) Like my body told me this is, that's, whereas in, in the situation where someone pulled their dick out, ostensibly it would seem like this was worse, but like, I wasn't scared. And I, and I know that sounds crazy, but. No, 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 it doesn't sound crazy at all. It's like you, you, that feeling cornered and trapped is scarier than your, you know, your friend being a dickhead, just like talking about his, you know, it's just yes. saying, so yeah, yeah. It's a feeling, it's, it's nonverbal, you know, and I, and I, you really, since we've been texting, have made me think a lot about listening because I think when I was younger in my 20s, I have, I look at like talk show appearances or if like put them on, in, people put them on Instagram now. So like one of your old talk show appearances will come up or, something and i'm like oh god i just i had no ability to listen i was just like bleh, bleh, bleh. like it, it was you know <laughs> like just like tourette's it was just like bleh, bleh, dicks cocks bleh, pussy, bleh, vagina. like and the desperation to fill the silences and i now yeah. also um i went to this next time you come to la i'm gonna make you come to this uh there's a wolf sanctuary called wolf connection and they do these uh, uh, like um, uh, at-risk youth camps where these at-risk youth are either, you know, in rehab or um, juvie or whatever it is, you know, they don't really have the ability to express their emotions yet. They have lots of anger, they're shut down. But what they do want to do is talk about fucking wolves because wolves are awesome. So they'll show the whole wolf pack. They're all, you know, sort of in um, fencing, 
and there's, you know, 10 of them or something. And, you know, there's a wolf that's, you know, pissing, one that's eating, one that's sleeping, one that's digging, one that's shitting, one that's howling, you know, the whole pack. Mm-hmm. And, and they, um, the first thing they say to the kids is which one is the alpha? And they all go, the one that's barking, the one that's digging, right? The one that's eating, the one that's sleeping. The alpha sleeps. Ah. And it shows them like the actual best way to be powerful and be the boss and in charge is not to, the, if you truly have power, you don't have to assert your power because you have power. There's usually, you have nothing to prove. Yeah. It shows them like fighting's not the solution, arguing's right. not the solution. Take a nap, dude. That's what true power is. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. Oh my God, you're making me, that's the second thing I'm going to use because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, but that's what, you know, and it's, it's been kind of a life hack. Like, you know, for me, a couple of things that I've learned is like apologizing and shutting your fucking mouth. If you truly want an argument to be over, if you want a conflict to be over, you know, I used to want to talk my way out of it, win my way out of it, manipulate my way out of it, lawyer my way out of it, comedy my way, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I thought that, that losing was losing. Yeah. Does that make sense? My ego was so fucking wrapped up of like, I got to win this fight. And it's like, well, if I win, we both lose. Cause someone's, yeah. you know, so it's like the best thing I can do is just say, I'm sorry you feel that way. It shut my fucking mouth. And that's, and that takes a lot. A lot of people are not willing to do that. It's like, it's like, they just want to be right. You know, everybody just wants to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's even, it's even with this, even with this COVID thing, it's like the fact that they're politicizing this, it's like, just fucking put a mask on and wait for the shit to be over. But it's making people go, well, no, I first said this, so I need to be right. It's like a lot oh, of people, yeah. a lot of people didn't think it was going to turn into what it's turned into. I mean, we, this is like unprecedented. We're all home. So a lot of people were wrong going hey this is a little overblown you know but you know what it is what it is and the fact that people are politicizing it it's like just listen just listen put the fucking mask on wash your hands social distance and things are going to get better and it's all like no one's going to tell me and it's like because they just want to be right with their it's they want to look for evidence to prove what they said already right but and i will say as i get older like you know what the hottest fucking thing in the world is? When I hear a guy say like, you know what? I used to think this about, and now I think this, like changing your mind when you get new information. Yeah. Is such yeah. an attractive quality. <laughs> I, so when this first came out, when this first came out, uh, not only did I get it, but, yeah. but like, before I got it, I got it late March. And, but before I'm going, guys, chill out. The media loves this. And that's, yeah, yeah. and, 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 and true. I, still and, true. And I got into it with people and people were going and they're, they're going, no, Paul, this and that statistically, this can happen. And I went out the guy, then I took it down and somebody, and then I on podcasts publicly said, you know what, man, I look, I didn't expect this. I got this wrong. I know the percentages are low, but you know, one percent of 328 million people is, or whatever it is, is is you know 117,000 people died in World War One. Right now we're at 135,000. So uh, I said it, and somebody goes, "Oh, I see you took your tweet down." And I said, "Not only did I t- take my tweet down, yeah. but I publicly said that mm-hmm. you know what this is, you know, and and you know what's crazy is like I was talking to somebody and I said like, so my father, my father is uh, my father." And I have a, a different relationship and, and uh, it's, it's what it is. It's cool, but I didn't, I didn't get to see him that much, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but my father is 
you know, staunch Republican, right, right wing, mm-hmm. right? And, and I was glad to hear, he's like, I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm a Republican, but I'm old. I'm also <laughs> old. <laughs> so. He's like, I'm, I'm wearing a mask. Like, I, I'm not getting this shit and I'm not trying to prove a point. And yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, and I said that to people and then people were like still trying to go, well, well the, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Don't do that shit. Because yeah. I, I have the ability to not make something political when it's logical and makes sense. I have the ability to say, if a mask is going to save somebody, you know, my mother had stage four cancer, the worst. She was on her way out. Uh-huh. And two months before her last relapse, the Dana-Farber, this is an amazing story. The Dana-Farber Institute in Boston, two months before my mother's last relapse, my mother was on her way out, was spreading. And uh, they came up with a test drug that they put on 100 people. And out of the 126, it worked. My mother was one of them. And then it started coming back. And then some people started getting it again and it started, they started to die. And then it only lasted on 10 people. And my mother's one of the 10 people. And that was 20 something years ago. So my mother got to see her grandkids. My mother got to see everything. But you know what the Dana-Farber Institute did, Whitney? The Dana-Farber Institute called my mother and said, you better stay the fuck inside and be careful. So there's a lot of my mothers walking around out there. Yes, that's right. So that's what we're doing all this. We're doing all this for older people. That's what this is for. Yeah. So it's like, so this whole idea of like, I don't care what your politics are. If this is something that's killing people. So if me, and let's just say this, let's just say for argument's sake, let's just fucking say Mm -hmm. that it is overblown and this and that, and the chances are you're not going to get it. And if you do get it, you're going to live through it. What if they, let's Mm -hmm. just say, if I'm going to save one person's life, why wouldn't I just do it anyway? It's it's not like I have to have a mask in my home, not to mention it's 2020. We got fucking video games and anything we want to stream. It's like, what am I worried about? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. And I, um, you know, I feel very grateful that I get to, you know, live in a house. Like, I mean, it seems like you're in a place that's ventilated. Well, like I'm really, I can't imagine what it's like to be, you know, stuck inside living. I live alone, you know, so I don't, I can't imagine how high strung a lot of people are of like, if you go home and someone's micromanaging you and then you go outside and someone's micromanaging you and you go to work and someone's fucking micromanaging you. Like I, I, I always like to preface whatever my opinion is, is like, I'm super lucky. I'm my own boss. I get to like, I don't have to answer to fucking anybody anytime for the most part, you know, except an audience. If they don't like a joke, I have to fucking change it, you know? Um, and so I, I, I also think it's, you know, and this is not like at all like helpful to what you're saying, but I just think we forget how much pain so many people are in so most people are not doing the work we're doing. Most people are not, no. don't get to have a podcast where they get to feel heard and they get to hang out with comedians all day. Like, you know, I like to just, I try to just have compassion to go. Yeah. If I was still fucking <laughs> 25 <laughs> before therapy and someone was trying to tell me to fucking put a mask on, I'd probably be like, you. <laughs> no, and I get it. And I also get like, yeah. I also get after months, after months, you're like, all right, dude. And I had it. Yeah. So I, I, no, I, I get what they're like, saying, but I'm saying if, if it would just quicken things and, yeah. and not, if you were able to take, if you were able to take you not being right yeah. out of it or, or you being wrong, then I would just say, you know, and, I, not and I agree, but we're also the same species that's eating Tide Pods on TikTok. I mean, this is, we're not a rational species. Like we are yeah. not rat, we aren't computers, you know? It's, it's, it's amazing to be reminded of how visceral, a spe- how emotional a species we are, you know? We make no sense. Like our species uh-huh. makes absolutely no sense. And 
I think that we're going to look back, you know, in 20, 50 years, and we're going to look back the same way we look back at the 1950s now of like everyone was just an alcoholic. Like people just drank three martinis at lunch, like in the office, like that, it's wild, you know, like, and I think we're going to look back and say, we were so addicted to adrenaline, like anger is adrenaline. And that turns into dopamine, which is a drug. Like we're all just like, so addicted to like, you're not fucking wearing your mask and you're not doing this right. And you're fucking tweeting, you're saying the wrong thing. And you're not allowed to say that. Like, I think we're just like unrecovered addicts. No, we're, we're, there's an addiction to chaos. And that's exactly why that that documentary which everybody liked i was not crazy about at all the the tiger king i i just like yeah. the, the fact that everybody went wild over something that was it was gross on so many levels to me yeah. you know what i mean like caged t- animals and and that are you know and, and you know just yelling at each other and chaos and and, and murder plots and i'm going like and that's the, <laughs> that's the great that's the that's the rage in our country yeah. that was like the biggest thing that's so you're right. right when you say like that's we're living in a thing where like don't get me wrong it was entertaining i mean but, i think any reality tv is us watching train wrecks to feel better about our own lives it's like a <laughs> catharsis or like a schadenfreude isn't that the german word for like watching other people's yes. uh, Yes. behavior like we get a hit off of that like it's kind of the same as it's like real housewives or any kardashians or any of those shows right? and i found out I, I recently found out who was it it might have been was it first somebody said that germans are the only one with a word for it which is hilarious um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> leave it to the germans to be like we need a word for that um we just call it the internet I yeah. cannot believe we're almost done here. This is wildly you fast and, and and so good but a, a couple more things if it's cool if you have time don't rush please um, don't rush so are you losing your mind? Let's talk about what you're going through here. So you're living alone mm-hmm. in, uh, in a nice home out there in Los Angeles. You're just chilling out. Uh, I'm far out, FYI. I do technically live in LA, but I live like out in the woods, like yeah. Topanga Canyon. You know, it's almost like the upstate New York of LA. Like yeah. I don't live in LA. Uh, I wanted to move to Texas a couple years ago because it's just the real, it's just like a, the like people, I don't know, everyone in Hollywood is like, it's obviously a long overdue conversation about inclusion and race and equality and stuff like that. But I'm also like, should we talk about the real estate prices at some point? Cause everyone's going to have more money if we all, like, you know, move like, like everyone's like, we demand more money. It's like, well, then why do you live in fucking West Hollywood where a yeah. two bedroom house is $3 million? Like, so I moved kind of far out. I live in the woods. Um, I've got like snakes and coyotes. Actually, when Bird came over, this was actually kind of a profound story and I don't know what to make of it. It's not going to be funny at all, but Bill came over which it meant so fucking much to me. When you start a podcast, one of the hardest things to have to do is ask people to be on a podcast. It's like, the, it's just like, it's, you feel so corny, you feel shitty. I'm also just in a constant state of apology for my existence. Reaching out to you was one of the most soul crushing things because what <laughs> happened was Bill is my friend. And when I saw that, I was just like, I, I, I reached out. And then when you were like, oh man, like I'm a fan of you. That, that was, it was such a, it was amazing. But I just felt so bad to, I felt so bad to, to reach out to somebody, A, that I don't know. And then I don't want to reach out just because we have mutual friends and we never met. And I was just like, but I, I really like what you do. And I, I think you're super funny and smart. I wanted that. I wanted, so thank you for being nice about it. You know, I- no, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that we're all, you know, we all have podcasts and like, 
you know, our whole thing is we don't fucking need anybody. It's just me and the audience. We're not team sports players. We're not improv true people. We're the fucking like, it's just me. I just need a microphone. That's all. I, I don't fucking need anybody. And then we're like, hey, can you do my podcast? We have to do it every week now. <laughs> so all of a sudden we have to be like team players. Yeah. And, you know, and it's actually so weird because I was thinking about it because, you know, I mean, the comedy store recently like completely imploded in a way kind of in out in uh in California and, and it was, it was kind of, it's been kind of funny now that comedians are not seeing themselves each other every night in the hallway as soon as they're like oh we're not gonna see each other for a year they just fucking have gone at each other like I never fucking liked you I hope I didn't interrupt you no Bill was so fucking cool because I never would have asked Bill to be on my podcast it would have never have fucking happened I just do not have the constitution to do it and he reached out to me and he's like, Hey dude, when am I going to come on your podcast? And I just was like, that is the awesomest, yeah. kindest thing you can fucking do is to just initiate when someone else starts a podcast and go, Hey, when am I coming on? Let me know. And he kept saying like, what day works? He comes over and Bill, like, you know, I still sometimes have to like, I mean, I was a fan. I'm a fan of him and, and, you know, coming up and I, I still don't, I don't feel like I'm an equal to him. And so sometimes it just takes me a second um, and, uh, and he's like a honey badger. You never quite know, you know, like, cause you know, at any moment, he's like a rattler. He can just fucking level you at any moment. So it's this thing where you also, it's like, you know, when someone's like, Billy, it's like, you don't want to try to be funny, but you know, it's, it's just, I find myself in my head a little bit around him. We go upstairs. I show him my house. I have a, like a balcony that overlooks, uh, like 140 acres of land, which is why I moved out here. You can't see any houses. We go out and I'm like, isn't this beautiful? We look down, there's a pack of five coyotes just in during the day, just looking at us. And Bill was like, ah, oh, those motherfuckers. And just like kind of walks away. And it was just, it was like they came for him. I've never <laughs> I've never seen them. I've never they during the day they were staring at my balcony and Bill just looks right at him. It's like it yeah. was it was just weird. It was a very unusual nature sighting that only happened that's, in the sixty seconds that Bill was standing there. Wow, it was, that's, it was that's just wild. odd. That's it was odd. Um, are you you're okay though mentally? You know, <laughs> for me, like I, you know, I, I'm not the person that's like, you know, I love doing stand up more than anything in the world, but nothing is worse than it not going well. So the only thing worse than not doing stand-up is doing stand-up and like getting off stage going, was that even, did that work? Was I cheating? Like, were they, did they, were, right. did they you know what I mean? So I just, for me, I, I don't worry about things I can't control. It's just, I've worked on it for a really long time, like in Al-Anon, like 10 years of a 12-step program. And I'm like, if I go on stage right now and people are in masks and everyone's scared and the and it, like, is, is this even gonna, is everyone even gonna get their money's worth? Like, so I, I'm not the person that's like, I need to get on stage right this second. I'm like, I'll do it when it makes sense. I want to do outdoor shows as soon as those start popping up. Yeah, I, I mean, I just said multiple times, I'm just not standing on the back of a truck with rubber gloves yelling at cars. I'm just not going to fucking do it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I'm not going to stand in a field yelling at people on picnic no. tables. I'm just not doing it. So no, I did... No, no. It, I did go to Arizona. Uh, those guys are great. That that love they. Uh, Tempe. They, 
was yeah well yeah they, they do tempe uh they do I, I was supposed to do tempe and copper blues i did copper That's blues right. and so, uh, and stand up live they have so right. i went out there and it was all of a sudden like it started to spike and i'm like should i like but i made william morris william morris called up my agent called up they called up hospitals so I said, I said, I'm not, I said, look, I'm not going to be responsible. So they're going to go 50% capacity. And um, this is in June. And they were like, no, they're open. And they're going to do 50% capacity. And you're going to be completely taken care. I said, I got to find out. I said, cause now I'm starting to see numbers. So William Morris called up hospitals in the area. Wow. They're giving me information. My manager, Rory called me up and he was like, okay, you're going. And I went and it was, it was fine, but it was just like, then all of a sudden the numbers were rising and then they shut it down. Um, but I'm not, I don't need to be up, but I have a special that we're going, like my next special is coming and it was, it was, we were touring it and yeah. um, uh, it was, it was really like. Did you feel like all the stuff you were doing, the material still worked or did you have to go like before the pandemic back, you know, like, did you have to rework it? So two great things happened. The first special, I'll say this, which came on Comedy Central, there was a resurgence during the pandemic and it got like 8 million views during this. Awesome. Okay. So that helped a lot because Comedy Central does a nice job of hiding shit. So they finally put it out and people could see it. I actually got to say Comedy Central was good to me, but they're, they're, the way that it worked, just then they finally were like, oh, during this, we're going to put it on YouTube. And then they put, nice. they put the special on YouTube and it, and it did great. But the next one was ready and everybody uh, as a part of it is like, oh my God, this is better. And um, so a lot of people, you know, Pete Davidson's directed, Pete Davidson wants to direct it. Troy Whoa. Miller, Troy Miller, who did all of Brian Regan's, he wants to sit with Pete on it. So it's, it's just better than the first one and it was ready to go. And then boom. So now they're revisiting, they're revisiting some things and things are good, but I was ready. So unlike a lot of other comics, I have the hour now to answer your question. As far as the material, um, yeah, I, there was literally like maybe one adjustment, not like, but nothing that, nothing that would really change, you know, anything. I don't want to talk so much about having COVID in this. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to, because that, that everyone's going to talk about that, but no, I mean, I'm ready to go, but I didn't want to be rusty so what i did was i went yeah. on stage and i'll tell you you won't be you won't be oh, and, nice. and, and comics won't be and and i was telling Giannis about that uh my buddy Giannis pop is a funny guy and, and you know he's great i was I, supposed to do their podcast history hyenas literally the day i flew out of new york when new york was shutting down i was like oh. I, I, they canceled on they were like we can't new york I was like, fuck it, I'll come by. And they're like, no, no, I think New York is like in bad shape. <laughs> like also, you, Tim Dillon was like, get on a plane now. I, I rushed to the airport with no ticket. I was like an orphan in the 30s. I was like, can I get a one-way ticket to LA? Like I had to rush out of New York, but I, I hope I get to do their podcast at some point. Yeah, so, uh, so Giannis, I, I was telling him, I go, you're not gonna, what's gonna happen is like, it took me literally... When I was 15, well, I first addressed that I had COVID, got better, and then flew to the place that has it again. So it was like I was, <laughs> so I just, I kind of was like maneuvering my way, but 15 minutes in, I was back. There were a couple of jokes where I knew that I missed a couple beats, but you're talking four months. So it was like, I was fine with it. People were like, I yeah. didn't notice it. Um, but oh, I, that's a, probably only something you would have noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Probably something that I would have noticed. Like comedy for me is, is for stand up for me is like, I do want to do more acting. I had such a good time on the Pete movie and like, I want to do that. And that's something that I, I feel like I can do, but stand up for me, 
is mm -hmm. like, so getting this next hour out during this. So the only thing that's been bugging me, it was kind of like a double-edged sword though, because it's like, well, my, my first special has a resurgence, so that's good. Yeah. But at the same time, now I'm being held back with this. I did lose out on, obviously, some some opportunities, and, and I walked away from money from the special, which I could have, like, Zoomed and made a lot of money, but I'm not doing that because I don't Don't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I don't – I mean, hot take. Like, I don't understand – when I do specials, like – I don't like doing specials in huge venues anyway because I find myself slowing down too much and it just doesn't like the audience at home doesn't need to wait through a big applause. They don't give a fuck. Like they just, it's, you're shooting it for the audience at home. You're not shooting yeah. it right for the room. So I do them in really small venues. I don't think I've ever done anything of more than a thousand seats and you kill maybe a couple rows with cameras. You end up being like, let's say 950 seat, whatever. Um, I've done my favorite special I did was in Santa Monica here because I like to sleep in my own bed. So, so and, you know, you do 80 cities and it's like the night of your special. I'm like, I just want to fucking be in town. So I've shot two specials in LA. It was maybe 400. I don't see why, why can't someone do a special with just a hundred people in the audience yeah. spread out? You know, it, everyone's in masks except you. I mean, you have to cut to the audience a little bit, but like, I don't know. Or like put them in quarantine. You know, the per first three rows will be in quarantine in the same hotel. I don't, I kind of feel like you can, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's doable if maybe, no, I, I, we yeah. perform for 80, 80 people is fucking all you need to know if something's working. Listen, if, if it's killing and, and the setup is good and it looks good, why not? Yeah, I mean, and listen, you know, all these places need content now, so something's going to have to give. You know, something's going to have to give, give. I mean, I'm, I'm going through it now. I mean, I'll tell I you. I mean, I go to the grocery store. I'm like, okay, there's 80 people in this grocery store, 50 people in this grocery store. If we just took down a, and I did stay, like we could, people are congregating in those, you know, kind of numbers. Why can't we just fucking shoot stuff? Yeah, I know. The, uh, the cameras can be run without camera. The cameramen can be remote. They could set them up and leave or just wear masks. I don't know. It just feels a little bit like we can do this. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'll tell you something wild when, when I stop recording here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, wow, we've done an hour. This is last thing. Last thing I got, I got to talk to you about this because there's actually probably nobody better to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. um, we got to talk about horses and we got to talk about, <laughs> we got to talk about horses and we got to talk about animals. You don't know how fitting it is that I am where I am. I don't want to say my town, but that, that, uh, horse behind you, everywhere you go into places where I am has horses like, oh, yeah. That. Um, yeah, that's so awesome. I heard conflict. That's, 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 it's just one of the, probably the most beautiful for me. It's probably one <laughs> of the most beautiful animals in the world. Um, horses, I heard two different things. So you have, you own a horse, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're smart or no? Incredibly. They are smart. Okay. But I can see why humans think they're not sometimes. Well, I, I know nobody's ever told me that they weren't, but I've heard conflict. I heard people go, I don't know, maybe some, their personalities are different, but like, I just, yeah. I, I'm sure like people, their personalities are of course different, but yeah. overall, like if you give, if you give him praise or uh -huh. you, or he does something to earn a treat or food yeah. or all that stuff. He's yeah. understanding, like, would you say it's like a dog? No. Um, in fact, totally the opposite. So the one thing I will say is most of the horse, so I rescue uh, traumatized horses. And what I do is like dramatically different than what most people do, which is I take uh, traumatized horses, um, show horses, abused horses, race horses. And what we do is we use something called liberty training or a gala training. And what you do is you wake them back up and try to make them wild again. 
So most of the horses we see are what um, everyone knows the term broken. You break a horse. So what they're doing is they're actually breaking the horse's spirit and individuality and breaking their joy to live. So the horses that we see are probably ostensibly kind of dumb, but it's really just they're humiliated and they've given up on life. So I can see why you'd think they're like dumb because they don't care about you. They're not interested. They're broken. They've been, they have no dignity. They have no pride, right? So the horses that we see are so subjugated. They're so denigrated that there's no way to even ascertain if they're smart or stupid. They're they're not interested in you at all because they've only been abused by humans. So any horses that are like, ridden at pony rides or you know um showing or like the the fucking ones that drive me nuts the ones the central park carriage horses like you can't ascertain if they're smart or stupid they're numb they're shells they're not that's the worst for me that's the worst i mean seeing watching some fucking dumb couple from wisconsin sitting in the back of a carriage and thinking it's a you know getting pulled and and i mean that horse must just go back going like what happened to my life yeah. yeah, it drives me nuts. So, so, but if you were to come, which I'm going to make you when you ever come out, if you really are around wild horses, horses that are awake, horses that know that you uh, respect them, if there's some kind of sort of mutual connection, horses are incredibly smart. They're actually really psychic in a lot of ways. There's all these amazing stories about horses that, you know, wouldn't go under bridges and wouldn't go under bridges. And then the bridge collapsed the next day. And, you know, they can sort of predict earthquakes, like, because they have nerve endings in their skin. So they can feel things, uh, you know, from miles away. They can sense weather. Um, You know, they uh, are so incredibly perceptive because they're prey animals. So the difference is, Dogs are predators and horses are prey, right? So horses, they can tell if a mountain lion, you know, comes over the hill, they can tell if it's hungry or not. You know, that's what they've evolved to have to do. They've evolved um, essentially to be uh, uh, like food is not even the biggest reward for them because they are grazers. There's food is the everywhere on the ground all the time for them. So food right. is actually not even their biggest reward because they can get grass whenever they want. Right. Whereas dogs can't, they rely on you for it. The dogs have evolved, you know, sort more for that. Their reward is more leadership and tranquility. So they want to be around you when you are exhibiting the qualities of what the lead mare in the herd would do. So if you understand sort of how the herd works, they want you to be a leader. They want you to be in charge. They want you to be strong and they don't want you to need them and they don't want you to need their validation. So they want you to be the boss. You're the person yeah. that's going to show us the, where the water source is. You're the person that's going to have us move if you know you hear a mountain lion growling. You're the person that's going to know where the best grass is. So what we do with horses is we go up to them and go, hi, horse, I want you to snuggle me and I want to get on you. And they're like, ugh. They don't, they don't want that. They want you to be the boss. They want you to be in charge. They want yeah. you to be dignified and lead them. So horses are generally just kind of disgusted by how needy we are. That's so <laughs> funny. But I think <laughs> something, something, they're not interested. They're just like, what are you, why are you looking at me? Just fucking go get a hug from Yeah, what's people. your, like, what, and to them, they don't understand insecurity or neediness. Horses bring out our, you know, they, all of it turns into fear to them because they don't understand codependence or the need to be liked or the need to get a selfie. They don't know what any of that means. They don't value any of that. They, it's all just fear to them. Because that, that's what it all is to it. Everything we do is rooted in some kind of fear. Fear I'm not going to get the photo. Fear I'm not going to touch the animal. Fear the horse isn't going to like me. Fear I'm not going to put my kid on the saddle and get the... Right. And so they're just like, these are very fearful entities that I want to be away from. You know, right. it's, it's neediness. But what I, I really, for all the 
especially dads listening, if you can find equine therapy in your area, take your daughters, take your sons, but certainly take your daughters because you know what we do um, around horses, they're incredibly dangerous animals, but in equine therapy, we teach you know, young girls uh, and boys, at-risk youth, to claim their space. So what horse- What's up, guys? Uh, I'm back now. Uh, unfortunately, there was a technical thing going on the last couple of minutes, literally only like two minutes. Uh, I want to thank, I want to really thank my guest, uh, Whitney Cummings. So great, so funny. And uh, the, yeah, what she was saying there at the end about the horses, I did not even know. And that's so cool. Um, and uh, yeah, when I get out to LA, I definitely want to uh, check out her horse. And um, I love horses, dude. So that was, uh, that was fascinating. And the shit she said was also heartbreaking. Um, but uh, kind of cool that you build them back up and all that. Um, I had such a great time with my guest, Whitney Cummings. Thank you guys. This has been episode 455. Uh, you can now catch the Verzi Effect podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And um, you could go to the uh, Paul Verzi YouTube channel, which has uh, all of the um, TVE podcast episodes. Thank you guys so much. And until next week, I am out of here. Be safe.